Hello, everybody. It's Dan Woods from Early Adopter Research, and I'm sitting here with Mike Capone, CEO of Click. And today we're going to talk about uh, why Click actually bought the Podium Data Company uh, and how that fits into Click's larger strategy. So, really happy to be here at the Data Revolution event here in New York City. Uh, it's great to be with you, Dan. Thanks so much for coming out today. Yeah, I think we're going to have a lot of fun. So, as I was explaining when we, we, we started to introduce this uh, talk, I'm really interested in how companies can create what I call product-based platforms, and, and that is choosing a variety of products and integrating them into the solution you need. And that's what we really study at Early Adopter is, is how to create those platforms. And in the data space, I'm really interested in the idea of creating a very responsive and, 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 and supple data supply chain so that you can understand all the data that you have in your company. You can transform it, move it around to where it needs to be, and then you can deliver it uh, to the workloads or the analytics or the applications that, 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 that are needed for it. Uh, and that happens in a way that's reliable and can be agile. And, and, and that's the way that you actually get advantage you know, out of your data. If you can't do that, then everything becomes a, a, a real chore to, to, to get the data where it's needed. Now, Click has been around for a long time, and I've been studying the company for quite a while. I, uh, as as uh, uh, we were talking, I, I worked with Donald Farmer when he was a, a thought leader and product development person here. And uh, we did, of course, that funny comic book that I just showed you, where he plays the Dofa character. But um, what has always been interesting to me about Click is that the platform has always had the ambition to be more of a data supply chain than most of the other companies. Like if you look at something like Tableau, I always thought of that as a way to visualize what you can see with a query. Mm -hmm. And then when it came down to landing data, creating a model data, creating purpose-built data, Click has always had an ability to do that. You know, and, and it's always had a, a variety of kind of special purpose ETL primitives in its own language for, for, for creating a, an end-to-end -end pipeline. And you've addressed long ago, you know, with Espresso and other things like that, you know, cataloging and things like that. And so all of that worked in this world in which you would adopt Click as your sort of uh, contained world. Right. And once you did that, then you could really replace a lot of other kind of ETL uh, systems uh, and, and, and also, you, you became an end-to-end -end platform at that point. And then, of course, ClickSense came along, and, and, and still you could do the same thing. But now we've entered a different world, you know, and you talk about in your, your stuff about, you know, you have the, the era of, of the first era of the uh, uh, centralized data wave, that's wave one, and then right. the second is, is, is essentially data discovery, the... the the market that uh, Click created, and then now we're in an era of data democratization, right. in which you want to really open up and have uh, a system where a lot more people can get access, a lot more people can configure it. You know, you, you, unless you can scale the number of people who can do every part of the stack, you have no chance of using all the data. So, right. why don't you, you know, express your vision about where Click is at right now, and then? Then I'd like to talk about how Podium fits into that. Sure, great, thanks, Dan. So, your insights are good. I think your fundamental understanding of, of where Click came from and, and what the fact that even though people viewed us as a visualization tool, we were always much more than that, right? From our ETL capabilities to our ability to be a data repository, 
which is uh, a, a much greater capability than some of our competitors. Um, I was a CIO for six years of a $12 billion company, so I've been on the other side of this equation building those platforms, um, cobbling together the pieces to come up with an end-to-end -end data platform that delivers the value uh, that you need, not just um, analytics, because that, that kind of the kind of analytics that are out there today is almost anarchy. Everybody's got tools and they're ingesting data from different sources, and you can't really get to the lineage, the veracity, the trust in the data. Um, so, you know, when I came over to uh, the this side of the house, which is helping customers solve for these problems, one of the things I thought about was why can't there be a platform? Why can't there be a full end-to-end -end platform? Because the problem isn't just visualization or just building a data lake. The problem is, how do you get from raw data through data preparation, data curation, data cataloging, data lake management into visualization and analytics and then layer machine learning and artificial intelligence, not you know to replace the users, but actually to augment their capability to deliver results. And so that's what Click is setting out to do right now. And that is uh, a big part of the rationale for the Podium acquisition, because Podium actually gives us that capability to um, catalog data, to curate it, um, and most importantly, um, to eliminate the need for giant uh, data warehouse ETL projects. You, you can now add data sources to your, your data ecosystem in days, um, which is not something that was possible in the old world of, of kind of the, the endless data warehouse projects. Well, yeah, what was interesting to me about the Podium when I looked at it closely was the whole idea of uh, kind of fixing the data lake vision. Right. And so I think they fixed it in a couple of really important ways. First of all, they abandoned the idea that you had to move all the data right. into the data lake. So they, they have the concept of registering a data source, mm -hmm. you know, and then, but even if you register a data source, they do profiling information. They, mm -hmm. they, they try to give you, as a user, some idea of the contents of the data, right. uh, even if they haven't moved it all the way in. Then the, the, the second interesting part is that, like many other technologies, they try to create a data, uh, uh, you know, prep a data transformation. Now, the way I looked at their stuff is it was really about transferring well-behaved data into new forms. It wasn't about doing the kind of cleaning data quality type stuff or the really detailed data engineering you might find in a Trifacta or a Paxata um, or, you know, you know, a Trillium type, you know, data quality type thing. The data should arrive in Podium well-behaved. Mm. And then you can, you know, use its visual and simple ways of transforming it to get to either reusable objects or purpose-built things for analytical workloads. And then it seemed that, you know, and so, so there's, there's a variety of other companies that are doing that. Where I think that they distinguish themselves is understanding that this usage of this data was gonna provide a really a lot of, um, of, of importance. And, and so the data marketplace idea mm -hmm. where you can actually see how the data is used. And I hadn't seen the user interface the way it's, it was shown today at the demo where you had the idea of the uh, uh, quality of the data, right. and you had the idea of the popularity of the data, right. and 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 that you know is how the marketplace feedback you know helps you helps guide you. Um, in a click world, you know your 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 the whole idea is to create an extract or a, a, a definition of a, a subset of data that then can be delivered to ClickView or delivered mm -hmm. to ClickSense. How is all this going to how do you how do you see all this working together so that you actually get this democratization? Because mm -hmm. it seems to me there's some, like you know you have, there's there, there's some different roles in this whole mm -hmm. stack, 
And you, you don't necessarily want to assume that every individual can do all of the roles. Mm -hmm. No, definitely not. There's still going to be categories of users. And if you heard my talk today, you heard me talk about, you know, companies that say, oh, I have an analytics department, right? You don't have an analytics department. Every department is the analytics department, whether it's customer success or sales or, or HR, they all have to be experts at analytics. Now, there are going to be people inside the company who facilitate access to data and information using the Click platform um, or other tools to actually uh, do that facilitation. Um, what, um, but what we want to be able to do is create an end-to-end -end experience. Um, you're right in the sense that historically, the, the data getting into Podium, it was helpful if it was well-behaved, but I would argue that actually the, the exposure of that information to the organization is actually what gets the data to be well-behaved and curated. Um, the democratization means people have access to the information in a very agile way, as opposed to letting somebody go off, the Data Lake team go off and, and pull it in and make assumptions about ETL, et cetera. The problem is once, that, once you do that exercise, what if you're wrong? Like, what if you made the wrong assumptions? What if you don't know what questions you were asking? So by leaving raw data in place, cataloging it, letting users go at it, let, let you, let's use crowdsourcing um, and other means of rating information to, um, to uh, clean that data, to get, people, to get people to understand what's wrong with that data, and then go fix it. That's super powerful. And if you can do that all on one platform versus cobbling together six different technologies, I think you're ahead of the game. Yeah, no, I think that that, that one of the most exciting things that we, we kind of described in the Data as Oxygen paper mm. was the idea of how you can use uh, the marketplace data of usage to focus your efforts on doing the cleanup, on right. making the data more well-behaved. And so, you, you know, the data that turns out to be most popular, that's where you can focus, you know, your, your data, well, maybe we can make it cleaner, make it, uh, you know, uh, uh, more high quality or, 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 or enhance it or find other data that can enhance that area because right. obviously people have an appetite for it. Now, it's obvious that, you know, this is a crowded space because there's a lot of value. Mm -hmm. And um, the story of trying to create this unified, you know, kind of trip is, mm -hmm. is, is you're not the only one trying to tell it. You, mm -hmm. you may have the widest scope of, of technology now to actually deliver it, the, you know, than most other people. Mm -hmm. uh, but what does it look like when you actually get this right? You know, wh wh why is it, why is, what's different about the approach you're taking of having it all under one product umbrella as opposed to, you know, using five things and integrating them. Right. So, you know, again, my, my background as a, as a CTO and as a CIO, um, that work is hard. You know, integrating different tools is hard. You have, um, you have some vendors that are um, cloud only, you have some vendors that are, are premise only. Um, so there, there's a lot of complexities in trying to work in this very uh, heterogeneous landscape of, of BI technology. And, and it's changing very, very rapidly. What we're offering, first of all, uh, we, are, we are agnostic as agnostic can be. So we, we run in your data center, we run in, in public, private cloud environments, we run Azure, AWS, um, and then we have our own cloud um, that we've been building out. Um, so that takes away a lot of the complexity. We'll work with you the way you want to work with us, and depending on your workloads, you can run them in the cloud, or you can run them in your data center if you have privacy concerns. So we'll take a lot of that complexity out of it, but more importantly, we'll take the integration headaches out of it. Um, it, is, um, it is just a lot of work and it takes a lot of bodies to actually go do that integration. When things go wrong, um, you have to go track down what, what the source of it is. And it's a co-opetition where also there's, there's consolidation going on, but then there's also relationships that were strong that, you know, it's, it's kind of drift apart as people build competing technologies. 
Um, we want to be a trusted partner. We can solve as much of this problem as, as, as we can for a customer, knowing there'll always be things that are sort of outside of our scope because they're edge cases or things. And then we've got an open API platform that will let anybody plug into it, um, advanced AI tools or, or other things. So that's our approach. Now you have some clients that are really quite engineering rich companies. Mm -hmm. And so if you look at the landscape of open source out there for this purpose, you find a lot of really interesting stuff. You know, uh, um, you find some commercialized open source like Talent for ETL, you yeah. find uh, just pure, you know, uh, obsessive compulsive uh, open source <laughs> like Superset, yep. you know, where these, you know, these really smart people are just obsessed in a very good way with creating a, you know, a, a, an analytics environment. Mm -hmm. I, and I, I heard the Superset guys talk one day, and they said, "This stuff is too important to leave to a vendor." <laughs> and 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 I understand what they mean mm -hmm. because, but they are all from engineering-rich organizations. Right. But what I've noticed is that you know, in some of the wins you've had, you've been able to sell to these en engineering-rich organizations, mm -hmm. and you've been able to, even though they had oceans of programmers around, they said, "Look, we're not going to do that. We're going to use a product." Right. What do you think is driving people to want to use the product in this space rather than you know a lot of the raw materials that you can get for free. Yeah, exactly. Well, two things. One is, um, so you hit the nail on the head, and first of all, we pride ourselves on being engineering friendly, right? So we are, we are developer friendly. We contribute to the open source community. We believe in that, um, and we do think there's a collective wisdom in the crowd in terms of people actually solving problems. I think as the problems get bigger and more complicated, it's harder and harder to solve them with um, you know, free open source code. And I do think there's a role for, for vendors in the space and they can easily coexist. I don't, I don't ever worry about that. Um, we have a product called ClickCore um, where we've abstracted our associative engine, which is the thing. That is the thing that's super unique and there, there is no open source out there that's gonna do what that thing does. So if you're a smart developer, you say, you know what? My differentiation is going to be my app, you know, my my IoT uh, uh, product that I'm putting out there with sensors, et cetera. Um, but why would I go try to replicate something that Click has already perfected in terms of this associative engine? And now because we have Click Core, we've abstracted the engine out, we've taken all the UX and all the other things so you can use your own and do a mashup. Um, but what we've said is, you know what? Develop for free. You know, build, build, build as much as you want, and if it works, that's great. And then the charge is by consumption. If you put it in production and it gets a lot of success, then we participate in that success and your success is our success. And I think that really resonates with the types of the audience that you just described. Got it. But, but like for the rest of the stack, you know, mm -hmm. um, uh, that's, that's like an engineering rich developer type place mm -hmm. that can use Click as a, as, a, um, as a foundation. But you also have people who are like, I'm not sure which, which name to mention, you, 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 mm -hmm. you tell me, but, but companies that are using, even though they have a lot of engineering capabilities, they're mm -hmm. saying, look, we're using not only the back end of Click, we're using the front end as right. well. Right. And so it seems to me that's where, I mean, what are the characteristics like cause of, 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 of a company that's really going to get a huge ROI from buying mm -hmm. a product? Because there are co some companies where they just don't have that much work to do mm -hmm. and frankly, they're better off you know, cobbling it together if they can manage to do it wi right. you know, without buying a product. But but you but those are not yet all interesting to you as a market. Right. right? That is that right. is a market that would mm -hmm. your salespeople would be completely wasting their time with. Yeah. How would you describe you know the, the 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 conditions that make the expense of a product of mm -hmm. like yours worth 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 doing? Look, the world is about focus, right? So when I was a, a CIO or even a CTO, I um, if I could 
buy it versus build it, um, 99 out of 100 times, I would buy it. As long as I could get the right economics associated with it, it was never a doubt. Because again, I got to look at what is my competitive differentiation. So we are, you probably saw that we were in a room dominated by financial services customers today. Nine out of the 10 top financial services companies use Click. Um, they have a lot of smart people in their companies who might be able to do some of this stuff. But the reality is I have 2,000 people waking up every single day innovating around analytics and data platform. The, no, there's nobody else out there who's going to do that. And by the way, we are, we are very singularly focused. You know, some of our competitors do analytics and they also do databases and word processing and other things. This is all we do. We have 2,000 clickies out there saying, you know, how can I make the world a better place through analytics? So our value proposition is we're going to innovate on this every day. We're going to bring you, um, we're, going to, we're going to focus on things like machine learning and AI. We're going to build a full data platform. We're going to think about the things that, um, that you uh, either don't want to think about because your competitive differentiation is actually writing algorithms to predict um, you know, wealth uh, for people or stock market or flash trading and things like that versus um, you know, worrying about an analytics platform. And if you focus on what matters for your company and what's going to help you win, you're going to win. If you get distracted with, um, you know, I'm going to build something that's already readily available in the market, I tell CIOs who run their own data centers, like, you're already dead. Like, there's no competitive differentiator in running your own data center when you can do things in Amazon. It's the same thing with, um, with analytics. If you, um, if you can get it and you can get it at the right economics, why would you ever think of building it? Got it. Now, you mentioned AI and machine learning, and um, my view is that most of the companies out there, you know, most companies out there are going to use this technology through its uh, availability through products. Mm -hmm. So there's, it's going to be presented to them either through a platform like Click, mm -hmm. or it's going to be presented to them through uh, inside an enterprise application. You know, right. where it's right. some AI capability is is detecting anomalies or mm -hmm. you know uh, uh, recognizing things or do, doing whatever. AI and ML stuff in the context of a business process where all of the surrounding work has been done. Right. Um, what I mentioned earlier that 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 you know providing better data to those systems is going to be one way to make them use useful. Mm -hmm. How? What do you? What does somebody have to do to become a sophisticated consumer of these products to understand? You know when they're buying something that's a really good fit and when they're buying something that, that maybe isn't going to work as well. Right. Well, you, you, your fundamental premise is correct, which is um, data science, uh, analytics, aug uh, augmented um, machine learning, AI, they have to be productized. They can't, they can't exist off in a corner. Data scientists serve a very good purpose, but ultimately, once they figure out how to solve a problem, in order to get that into the hands of people who, whose day-to-day -day jobs depend on it, that has to be productized. There's, there's, there's no other way, and the industry has struggled to do that, um, and it creates bottlenecks in the business because now you've got rationing of data science resources trying to solve problems. So, um, what, what we've done is we've embedded the cognitive capabilities right into our product, and the idea is to augment um, the user's capabilities. So, if you saw the demo today, you saw some of these things um, suggesting um, different visualizations for your products. Um, being able to use natural language processing to ask questions of the data. These are all AI machine learning capabilities that assist users in their jobs. So, uh, as you, uh, as one of our guest speakers said today, um, you're using AI, you don't even know it. And that's the best kind of AI, when it actually is embedded into your process. And our belief is lead with data. Every decision 
operational, strategic, C-level, down to the lowest level of the organization. The driver of the truck, the person on the phone with the customer, um, has to have data and insights in front of them to actually do their job. AI is a way to do that, but it has to be layered into the product in a very seamless fashion. So you've been a CIO, and mm -hmm. you know, as soon as you arrive as a CIO anywhere, all of a sudden you realize that, first of all, you're managing this portfolio that you know, somehow got created, and you rarely do you, you know, arrive and get to create it. And then you have to curate it and you know, right. move it incrementally in one direction and, and you know, have a little bit more of this and a little bit less of this. So over time, you actually make big changes. Right. Now, if you then start awakening to this whole lead with data vision, data mm -hmm. democracy vision, you have the same problem. How do I incrementally move in this direction, mm -hmm. that direction, so that I achieve a, a larger platform vision? Right. So what, what's challenging, what, I talked to Donald a little bit earlier today mm -hmm. about how businesses have different you know, susceptibility or relevance. The business unit has a different relevance to, data has a different relevance to, to different units. So if like you're at Stuart Weitzman, you know, the shoe company, mm -hmm. Uh, that's a very virtuoso creative process. There's right. a central core of shoe designers who are g the radiating heart of value in the company. They, it's not that they could never use data, but it's a virtuoso sort of human activity. Um, and uh, then surrounding that is a data, is a, a real you know, supply chain to make the shoes and mm -hmm. a whole marketing you know, uh, a funnel and, a, and a, to, 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 to get the, the message out there. and you know, all sorts of advertising and marketing things that are very data oriented. So right. the data relevance around that would be high and the data mm -hmm. relevance at the core would be low. Um, how would you go about, you know, what, what would your advice to be to CEOs, CIOs who are, or CEOs who mm -hmm. are starting this journey? You know, how do you sort, because you can't do it all at once. You know, how do you organize what's early, you know, first, second, and third, mm -hmm. so that you can actually, you know, kind of over five or six quarters really make a transformative uh, change? That's right. Uh, so I have a lot of these conversations with CEOs, with C chief digital officers, with CIOs, um, and it, it starts with the strategy. You know, people love to talk about digital transformation, and there's a lot of hype around it. And there's a lot of consulting dollars being spent on digital transformation. First question I always ask is, um, before you start any work at all, before you pr even prioritize what you think you're going to work on, tell me what your company looks like once it's digitally transformed. Like, what does that actually look like in your business? Um, where is data going to be leveraged in your operations, in your strategy, to be able to actually uh, transform, help you compete, differentiate, and win in the market? Once you answer that question, then you can start with, oh, okay, now I need, um, now I need to uh, create a prioritized list of activities, starting with the foundational layer, the platform, and then I can add to that platform to address the various prioritize problems that I want to address in my business. Um, you know, you, you, gotta, you gotta know where you're going in order to actually get to the right place. So that strategy is really important. And you know, one of the things I talked about in my keynote today was without a proper strategy, transformation efforts are going to fail every time. So essentially, you, you, if it, you, you want it to be driven by the business strategy, and, and if it's not, then yeah. you know, and the business strategy has to have a vision for how things are going to change yeah. based on the new capabilities. Well, right. my last question is one that I've been asking a bunch of different people, mm -hmm. and I'm going to kind of do a roundup of all this. And um, I think that it's not really well understood uh, the radical data availability mm -hmm. that is inside these newer companies uh, like Netflix, like Google. Yeah. Uh, there was a Ar Wall Street Journal article um, about Netflix and its culture, mm. and it focused on the transparency of you know, 
both positive and negative feedback and, right. and the, 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 the uh, willingness to let people go is uh, being seen as a positive thing. Mm -hmm. But also it mentioned that almost all of the data, even the crown jewel data mm -hmm. about like how successful a, a program is, uh, is available to almost everybody in the company. Mm -hmm. and, and, and salary data is available to almost everybody in, in senior, in, 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 in not in a senior management, but in, every, in management. And so at Google, it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. You've got this radically huge scope of data that as a Google employee, you can right. see. You can see almost everything. Right. And now that's a difference between what most companies would ever imagine. Right. And so like people want to go down this data de democracy mm -hmm. journey. Right. But do you think that this is going to be, that the, 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 the need for this sort of radical availability is going to be a bottleneck? Or if not, how, how are companies going to get the same results without, you know, in, in a way that governs data a little right. bit more carefully? Well, that, that is the key question. Data governance is an incredibly important thing. And the reality is that technology, technological advances, um, hardware, um, software, you know, cloud, um, compute power, storage, um, and uh, analytics and AI are completely outstripping um, society and, uh, quite frankly, the legislative body's ability to deal with it, right? So they're trying to catch up, but just when they start to catch up, the, 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 the technology advances again. Um, all, all we can do is, um, is be responsible in our space at, at Click, and we take that responsibility very seriously, whether it's European data privacy laws, um, and build the capabilities for a company to be able to manage those things. So manage data lineage, to manage veracity of data, to make sure there are audit trails associated with data, and to make sure that there are um, uh, appropriate um, capabilities to control security of information uh, so that you, d you can make decisions about how you want to use data and you can also audit what's happened with that data and where it's gone. Then culturally, um, business operationally, companies get to decide if you want to be Google or Netflix and you want to be more, we'll go ahead and do that. We will give you the tools to manage that and make sure that um, you, you know exactly what you intended to happen, happen. Um, if you want to, want to be uh, more conservative about it, we will absolutely give you those capabilities as well. In a multi-cloud sort of hybrid environment, incredibly critical. And what, what, what I do know is that there is no one right way of thinking about this. If you're a German data privacy officer, you're probably not going to think the same thing as somebody at Google. That's just how the world is right now. And we're going to make sure that we can accommodate everybody. And then what uh, um, harmful myths do you see out there in the market that are stopping people from getting it right? Well, there's a couple things. One is um, there was a wave of overselling of AI that went on for a while, and um, it was witnessed in, um, you know, so I was in life sciences in my, my last job, so I went from kind of CIO, CTO of ADP apparel company to a company that did cloud technology for life sciences. And for a while, there was uh, companies making noise about how our AI is going to replace doctors in terms of diagnostic and you know, cancer, right? And um, they put it into use. It turned out not to be true. Um, that, and in fact, they, that, that particular technology got thrown out of a couple of places. Um, the reality is, um, the myth is that AI is going to completely replace people. Now, are there sort of um, AI robotic process automation things that will eventually eliminate some activities? That Yes, that, that, that's definitely true. But um, in terms of a knowledge worker, I, I think there'll be augmentation. Um, I think they'll enhance the capabilities. Um, but uh, the myth that AI is going to solve every problem everywhere, is a is a bad one, right? And I think, but that slowed people down because they got a bad taste. Um, we've had a reset. I think people now are understanding, and people are talking about the right way. You heard Donald Farmer today talk about 
um, augmented intelligence. Um, the ability to actually embed machine learning AI into the, the products, as you so astutely mentioned earlier, and then the uh, ability to augment people's capabilities, give them choices, include them in the process, though, in terms of what the outcome is, is the way to go. And I'm super happy that we're starting to overcome that myth and talk about this in the right way. Excellent. Well, this has been a really fun conversation. Uh, everybody, this has been another Early Adopter Research Podcast with Mike Capone, CEO of Click. And uh, uh, see you guys next time.